In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this, serve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. Let us give glory to him because he has shown mercy to Blessed be the Holy Trinity, 
and the undivided unity. Let us give glory to him, because he has shown mercy to us. Glory be to God on high. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given us grace to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity by the confession of a true faith and to worship the unity and the power of the divine majesty. Keep us steadfast in this faith and defend us from all adversities. For you, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, live and reign, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the Feast of the Holy Trinity is written in the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The second lesson is written in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 11. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Blessed are you, O Lord God of our fathers, and greatly to be praised and glorified forever. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory be to you, O Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. (laughs) 
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. What's the big deal with the Trinity? And why do we make such a fuss about getting all of the details about the three persons and the one undivided divine essence? Why is the Athanasian Creed so long? And and perhaps a question most pressing, why do we even dare to confess that all of this is necessary for eternal salvation? Theology, the name given to the study of God in all its details and assertions is really only a big deal, is really only important if you expect to meet this God. If you don't, if you don't think that he actually exists, or or because you don't ever expect really to run into him, you do your thing, he does his, then none of this matters then do your own thing. Think what you want. Say what you want. Go your own way. But if you will, in fact, meet him, then how will you meet him? On whose terms? On your terms, what you think, what you do, or on his? Be assured that when you meet him, it will be on his terms one way or the other. So we must ask ourselves, what are they? What are God's terms for meeting with mankind? For interacting with us? The first place we might turn to find God's terms are his commands. The Ten Commandments are God's terms. The latter half of them, what we call the second table of the law, describes God's created order in the world, the way God created the world and us to interact with each other, with our neighbor. The first three commandments, what we call the first table of the law, tells us God's terms for dealing with him. These terms of God can be seen on display in Isaiah chapter 6, our Old Testament reading for today, in Isaiah's encounter with God. He meets God. And these are the terms that lead us to sweat the details of confessing the truth of the Christian faith as we do in the the Athanasian Creed. As it turns out, like it or not, you will meet God. And you will meet him on his terms. Either you will meet him now, here, on his terms, or you will meet him later in another way. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods. The second commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. In other words, You will, when meeting with God, 
You will treat God like God. You will call upon his name. And you will rest in him alone. Since there is only one God, we worship one God. Three persons, yet one God. If we should meet this God, then we must treat him as God. What does that mean? It means, first of all, to recognize that you are not God. Neither was Isaiah, who saw him in his vision, and neither are even are the holy angels who fly around the throne of God There is only one God, and he alone deserves to be treated as God, must be treated as God. What does this mean? Well, if you are not God, then you are not his equal, much less his superior. At the very least, then, we, should, we would show the reverence that is shown by the holy angels who fly around the throne. You heard this description. With six wings, they flew. One, with two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two wings, they were flying. Even the holy angels in the presence of God cover themselves. Do not dare to look directly into the face of God. But you and I, and Isaiah, are not holy. In fact, we are what holy things are set apart from. God's holiness, that's what it means is to be set apart. God's holiness is his set-apartness from sin and everything that sin does and causes. Isaiah says, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And yet my eyes have seen the king. I have not covered my sinfulness. I cannot cover my sinfulness before God as I must. Woe to me, he says. I'm I'm ruined. To treat God as God, as the holy God that it is, requires reverence and fear because God's holiness is a danger to sinful mankind because God indeed threatens to punish all who transgress his commands therefore we should fear his wrath and not do anything against them if you expect to meet God you may not disregard this you may not treat God lightly Treating God lightly is more dangerous than than handling live power lines or playing with matches in a barn full of hay. It will consume you. And yet, notice that meeting God does not lead the angels to fly away from him in terror. It doesn't even lead Isaiah to run away. Instead, they call on his name. The angels cry out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah, though distraught, still calls him the king and uses the same name the angels use, the Lord Almighty. 
This God has a name, which is really God's way of revealing himself to his creatures. It's a sum of everything that he is and everything that he says. The particular name that the angels and Isaiah use here, the Lord Almighty, is this unique Old Testament name of God, Yahweh, the Lord, usually seen in capital letters in our Bibles. The God who is, who always is and always keeps his promises. And when it says the Lord Almighty, that's the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heavenly hosts, the God of armies. If you wish to meet with God, you do so on his terms, and that means according to his name. That is, according to what he has revealed about himself to us. And calling on that name, or as the angels were doing, calling it out to one another, was simply announcing, was repeating what God had told them about himself. They were announcing who God is and what he says. And so to us in his word, God has revealed himself as Father and as the Son, Jesus Christ, and as the Spirit whom the the Father and the Son have sent. That is his name. That is his revelation along with all of the details about it. it. If we are to meet with God, we must do so in his name. We must do so in accordance with everything that he has revealed to us about himself. We must not misrepresent him and pretend that he is something else that he has not said. And so when we prepare to meet with God, here, now, before we would meet with God in the last, we meet with God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We announce that to each other, much like the angels announcing to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. We're meeting with God. What God is that? The God who has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The God who has revealed himself as holy and the Lord God of hosts. It's our way of announcing or declaring that this is to be an encounter with the triune God and no one else. And we do so in connection with everything he's told us in his word. From beginning to end. And so when we gather to meet with God for an hour or so, we have this time that's chock full of God's revelation in his word. And we even every Sunday sing the very same words that the angels sing, holy, 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 to confess that what happened before Isaiah's eyes is actually happening to us here today. Of course, that brings us to the very heart of our encounter with God. What will happen to us? Woe to me! Isaiah said, and we should too. Will God destroy us for our sin, for our rebellion, 
We, like Isaiah, have sinned in all kinds of ways. We deserve to be destroyed, to be burned up by God's holiness. Meeting God on his terms means meeting him according to his commands. And we have not kept his commands. The third commandment is no exception. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What a delightful surprise then. When the angel comes from the throne of God and flies to Isaiah, instead of piercing him through with a sword or destroying him in some other way, comes to him, takes from, with tongs from the altar a live coal, burning coal, and touches it to his lips and says to him, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. The heart and the core of God's terms for meeting with mankind is to meet with him, to stand in his presence, is the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus' blood, from the altar of God, It's not required of man in order to meet with God and not be destroyed, to work harder, to be better, to sacrifice even of one's self. God's term for meeting with God without fear is mercy, is forgiveness, it's rest, Sabbath in Christ. It is the perfect merit and righteousness of Christ bestowed upon sinners to atone for their sins and to bring them to rest and peace. So why such a big deal about the Trinity? Why such a long and detailed confession of the triune God Why do we repeatedly in our services put the name of the triune God onto our lips? Because we expect to meet him on his terms. So we'll confess in the Athanasian Creed, now this is the true Christian faith. We worship one God in three persons and three persons in one God. That is, we expect to meet him to worship him. Since you are not God, but he is, you treat him with God when you come into his presence with with reverence and honor. You don't come as his equal. Treating God like, like he is God is a good reason for some reverence, for some formality. It's a reason why those who serve near the altar cover themselves and do not waltz in unprepared. And it's the reason that this encounter begins in the name of the triune God and and wall to wall, word of God once we're here and even ends with the name of God, the Lord, placed upon his people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord, the Lord placed upon us in blessing and that's why there's, there's even a day, a Sabbath day. A day to be set apart from the rest of the week. A day for you to 
set aside from the rest of the week of your life even, where your work, you work and get reward. A day for you instead to be restored and receive. A day to bask in the forgiveness of sins and the peace that it brings. The Christian faith is to worship the triune God, to encounter, to meet with God. But note that we do hold to this Christian faith even on weekdays, too. The voice of the Lord came to Isaiah from the altar, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Only those who have met with God, who call on his name and rest in him, may be sent for him. The rest that you receive here, the name that is placed upon you, continues with you wherever you go. That's why the Catechism teaches us to begin and end every day in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. His name is upon you. And those who have met with God go out, therefore, as his ambassadors to proclaim his name even as they bear his name to the world. You go like Moses, whose face was glowing after he had met with God. Or like Isaiah, with forgiven lips, as you go as baptized children of God into a world of people of unclean lips too. That must also eventually meet with God. For the whole earth is full of his glory. The doctrine of the Trinity, and really every biblical doctrine, is imminently practical. This is the God that we meet. And this is the God whose name we carry into the world. And this is the God in whom we find our rest, our Sabbath, our comfort, and our peace. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join now in confessing the Christian faith using the words of the Athanasian Creed. Whoever wishes to be saved must, above all else, hold to the true Christian faith. Whoever does not keep this faith pure in all points will certainly perish forever. Now this is the true Christian faith. We worship one God in three persons, and three persons in one God, without mixing the persons or dividing the divine being. For each person, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, is distinct. But the deity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one, equal in glory and co-eternal in majesty. What the Father is, so is the Son, and so is the Holy Spirit. The Father is uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated. The Father is infinite, the Son infinite, the Holy Spirit infinite. The Father is eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal. Yet they are not three who are eternal, but there is one who is eternal. Just as they are not three who are uncreated, 
nor three who are infinite, but there is one who is uncreated and one who is infinite. In the same way, the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty, the Holy Spirit is almighty. But they are not three who are almighty, but there is one who is all. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. Yet they are not three gods, but one God. So the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord. Yet they are not three lords, but one Lord. For just as Christian truth compels us to confess each person individually to be God and Lord, so the true Christian faith forbids us to speak of three gods or three lords. The Father is neither made nor created nor begotten of anyone. The Son is neither made nor created, but is begotten of the Father alone. The Holy Spirit is neither made nor created nor begotten but proceeds from the Father and the Son. So there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. And within this Trinity, none comes before or after, none is greater or inferior, but all three persons are co-equal and co-eternal. So that in every way, as stated before, all three persons are to be worshipped as one God, and one God worshipped as three persons. Whoever wishes to be saved must have this conviction of the Trinity. It is furthermore necessary for eternal salvation truly to believe that our Lord Jesus Christ also took on human flesh. Now this is the true Christian faith. We believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ God's Son is both God and man. He is God eternally begotten from the nature of the Father, and he is man born in time from the nature of his mother, fully God, fully man, with rational soul and human flesh, equal to the Father as to his deity, less than the Father as to his humanity. And though he is both God and man, Christ is not two persons, but one. One, not by changing the deity into flesh, but by taking the humanity into God. One, indeed, not by mixing of the natures, but by unity in one person. For just as the rational soul and flesh are one human being, so God and man are one Christ. He suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose the third day from the dead. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and from there will come to judge the living and the dead. At his coming, all people will rise with their own bodies to answer for their personal deeds. Those who have done good will enter eternal life, but those who have done evil will go into eternal fire. This is the true Christian faith. Whoever does not firmly and firmly believe this cannot be saved.
Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For an increase in devotion for all the saints, for the faithful proclamation of the gospel by all pastors in Christ, and for an end to schism and division within the church militant, and for the proper fear and fervent praise of the Holy Trinity among all those born again from above in holy baptism, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For faithful catechesis and formation in the faith for our catechumens, both young and old, for a renewed vigor to study God's word within the congregations of our synod, for Christ to be fully formed within us, for courage to walk as children of the light, and for strength in the face of temptation, let us pray to the Lord, Lord, have mercy. For the sojourner and stranger, for the persecuted and oppressed, for prisoners and their families, for the enemies of the faith, and for the true repentance of all, let us pray to the Lord, Lord, have mercy. For thankful hearts and for the faithful support of the church and the work of the Lord, here and throughout the world, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the nations and those who lead them, for an end to violence and war, and for peace throughout the world, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who endure mental illness, for those who mourn, for the lonely and brokenhearted, for the unemployed and underemployed, for those with chronic pain, for the sick and injured, for the hospitalized and shut in, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For reverent awe as our lips receive the very body and blood of Christ from the holy altar, for the removal of our guilt and deliverance from evil, for the strengthening of our love for God and for one another, and for an increase of faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. All glory, honor, and praise be to the most holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy is he whose name is majestic in all the earth. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, who with your only begotten Son and the Holy Spirit are one God, one Lord. In the confession of the only true God, we worship the Trinity in person and the unity in substance of majesty co-equal. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song.
Almighty and most merciful Father, send down upon us the grace of your Holy Spirit, and through your holy word be pleased to bless and sanctify these your gifts of bread and wine, that they may be the body and the blood of your most dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, O Lord, according to his institution, we, your servants, celebrate here before your divine majesty. With these, your holy gifts, the commemoration your Son has willed us to make. Remembering his blessed passion, mighty resurrection, and glorious ascension, we give you most hearty thanks for the innumerable benefits he has secured for us. And we humbly ask you to grant that by his merits and death and through faith in his blood, we in your whole church may receive forgiveness of sins and all other benefits of his passion through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. We give thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us with this Holy Supper. We pray that through it you will strengthen our faith in you and increase our love for one another. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Just want a quick reminder that our summer uh, Bible and Music Academy on Monday nights is starting tomorrow, and uh, this year it is especially for 